you so much for listening to our podcast today at Word of Life. We know summer is busy with traveling and all things fun, but we have good news for you. You can stay in church even while on vacation through our online campus. You can watch live on Sundays at 10 and 1130 and get fed throughout the week with inspiring articles, message series, and so much more at thelifeonline.cc. Thank you for listening and enjoy the message. We're in the middle of a series called At the Well, and and the story starts in John chapter 4, and I've just had it on my heart recently uh, to, and don't, don't get me wrong and don't think like I don't do this and now I am doing it, but to give a lot of word when I preach, like a lot of the Bible, and we're going to go through a lot of the Bible today. The, the, the word of God says that heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will never pass away. We, we've got to be rooted and grounded in his word over anything else. The word of God says that Jesus sent his word and it healed them. The word of God says that when Jesus prayed over his disciples, he said, Father, you know, sanctify him uh, just as you're, uh, sanctify him and let them be one. And your word is that truth that sanctifies them. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. And so there's so much importance in knowing the word of God. I believe that a lot of us might have feeble faith because we don't have knowledge of his word. Because the Bible says that faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. So it's hard to fight a, fight a faith when you have no faith. And how do we have faith is by knowing the word of God. So we're, so we're going to get into the word of God today. We're going to talk about worship. And we start out in John chapter 4. John chapter 4 verses 9 through 24 while I was meditating this I remembered a story that I told my friend Zach Kanoi I don't know if you know him or not but I had been reading it was like a couple months ago and I read about this guy that learned how to make it snow in the middle of summer and what he did it was let me read it just so I don't butcher it November 13 1946 a plane took off from the Shenandoah County Airport uh, with a rather unique payload. It was six pounds of dry ice. What was its mission? It was to seed the clouds with solidified carbon dioxide in hopes of creating enough condensation to cause precipitation. Upon takeoff, Schaefer flew his singular, single propeller plane into a cumulus cloud and dumped the dry ice. Eyewitnesses on the ground said that the cloud seemed to explode. The subsequent snowfall was visible for 40 miles. Uh, so uh, what, what, I, what I've been doing recently, too, is I, I kind of like to conclude the message at the beginning, uh, just so, like, if you fall asleep or if you, like, think this is, this is dumb or if you get hungry and then you forget you're at church, which is all fine, it happens, I know this, it, you get the conclusion right now. And it's that as I'm studying about worship, I remember that story. I'm like, that's kind of what worship does. Worship aligns what the reality of God is. It makes it come into a reality into your own life. That when you worship, you literally are seeding the clouds. And you don't need to wait for a specific moment or a perfect moment. You don't need to wait for a harvest season. All you have to do is you have to align yourself in the word of God. You have to worship. He inhabits the praises of his people. And wherever the presence of God is, there is true liberty from everything that you might need. There is joy unspeakable and full of glory. There's a peace that passes all understanding. There are riches forevermore in his presence. So it's not about a season that I'm in. It's about what I'm doing through whatever season that I am in. 
whether it's a good season or a bad season, if I worship, it aligns me to a truth where everyone else might be going through a drought and then there is snowfall in my territory because I decided to believe God, to believe that he is faithful, that he always is faithful no matter what, no matter when, no matter what might be happening, God is good and worthy of my praise and worthy of my worship. And you wonder why people go through seasons of blessing and prosperity and you're like, why? Like, what are they doing? Is it their habits? Is it their work ethic? No, it's the grace of God. But they've decided to align themselves and position themselves in a moment where even if they're walking through the valley of shadow of death, they fear no evil because they recognize that God is with them. That even when their enemies are camping all around them, they decide to step up to the table that's prepared before them in the presence of their enemies. That enemies might exist. Enemies are not eradicated yet and that they still walk into blessing. And that's what worship does. It allows you to see the clouds of blessing over your life. So we find ourselves in John chapter 4. Verse 9 says, then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her and said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his son and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, whosoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never thirst. But the water that I give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. So this is where it gets weird, like it turns like a weird turn of events. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one whom you are now with is not even your husband, and that you spoke truly. So the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. So Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is. Everyone say that with me. Now is. It says the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Father God, we just thank you for this day and for the opportunity that you've given us uh, to come into your word, Father. Father, we, we thank you that the entrance to your word brings liberty and brings freedom. We thank you, Father, that as we enter in your word, we receive words that are life-changing, that literal life change happens as we receive from you. Father God, we ask that your Holy Spirit move in this place, Father, that he moves with all the power, with all his might, Father. We ask for life change today as we enter into your word and we thank you father in the name of Jesus I pray amen so there's a few things I'd like to highlight one of the things I'd like to highlight from this story it says that God is searching 
for something very specific. Now, God's love is for everyone. Uh, the, the cross is for everyone. and The access is for everyone. But God is searching to do something specific to a specific type of person. And what's interesting is, is we know what God does when he's searching for someone and when he finds what he's searching. I think we would want to be that person. I don't know if this is making sense. So let's go to 2 Chronicles 69. 16.9, it says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. So God is looking to show himself strong to someone. That someone might be here today. And when God shows himself to be strong to those whose hearts are, are, are completely his, who those whose desire is to be with God, when God shows himself to be strong, you notice that that person's life changes. Because the, the, there's some things to be said about having a good work ethic. And there's some things to be said about having good work habits and, and just habits in general. But don't confuse habits for grace and mercy and favor. Like, don't, don't confuse work ethic for the favor of God. There are some things that God wants to do in your life that your work ethic can never take you there. There are some things that God has prepared for you that your habits cannot take you there. There are things that God has in place in your future that your resume can never reach. And the reason behind it is because that truly is a testimony that you, are, you find yourself in a place in God that you could never take yourself. That other people start to realize, how is it that you found yourself in that place? Because we know your work ethic, we know your habits, we know how you are, and yet you're still blessed. It's like a turtle on the fence post. That, that, that was the, literally, I had two words for this year, but back in, 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 at the end of December, I'm like, God, you know, what's your word for this year? And one of the words was, I want you to be a turtle on the fence post. And I'm like, that's the randomest, most southern thing I've heard. Like, God is speaking to me in southern terms now more, in less Colombian terms. I'm like, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, a turtle could never place himself on the fence post. Like, when you see a turtle on the fence post, you know that someone had to place the turtle. The turtle has no strength to pull himself up to there. The turtle has, doesn't have, like, the athletic ability or capacity to put himself up on the fence. Someone had to grab that turtle and put him there. He's like, I want that to be your testimony. That it's not out of power, it's not out of might, but it's by his spirit, says the Lord. That where God wants to place you, he wants to place you in the place where people start to wonder, how is it? How is it that you got to that place? And you can say, well, see, it wasn't by power, it wasn't by might, it was by his spirit. My, my ability can't take me there, my work ethic can't take me there, but thanks to God Almighty, thanks to God of creator of the heavens and the earth, now thanks be unto God who always causes me to triumph in Christ Jesus. So I may be shouting a little bit today, <laughs> FYI. You know how, how uh, preachers will say, like, I'm going to preach myself happy? So I'm not going to preach myself happy. I studied myself happy, so I already came in happy. And, and so, so it's going to happen whether you like it or not. The Colombian's about to shout a little. But, 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 but why? This is not an emotional moment or anything like that. The, the, the Bible says, and Jesus is talking, you know, that there's, there's certain things in life that we thirst for. Right? We, we, we long for these things and we think we can find what we're thirsting for in the world that we live in. 
And that's why we always come into this problem where we acquire the things we think will make us happy, and they make us happy, but they don't make you as happy as you think they would. Like, the, the, you know, the, the shoes you've been saving up for, like, you get them and you look awesome, but, I mean, there's just the shoes for some reason. Like, you, you realize, well, like, oh, man, I mean, this isn't making me as happy as I thought it would. You know, the, the house that you've been saving up for, and you finally get it, and it makes you happy, and you praise God, but then you realize you have to clean it. And so it's like... So, I mean, we thank God for it, but now we got to clean this thing. And it's like, now, now you're wondering, should I believe for something smaller? Because the, the, the car, the, the person, the, like all of these things. Why? Because we were not meant to be filled by the things of life, but by the God of life. That we were not, we were not meant to live a life of achieving things, but we were meant to, to live a life of intimacy with the Father. And that truly is the, the living water. That truly is the water that Jesus wants to give you. That it's not a well, but it becomes a fountain of living water. That no matter what you are going through, no matter what is happening in your life, you always have access to his presence that gives life and life forevermore and it never stops that you don't need joy or peace found in things but you have found joy and peace in him who lives and abides in you that greater is he that is in you that he that is in the world that I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus he abides in me his life abides in me Romans 8 11 says the same power that rose Christ from the grave lives in me and gives life to my mortal body so I walk in it I live in it not something that I feel it's something that I know and I know it to be true it is in you the 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 capacity of victory is already living inside of you that's what Jesus was saying instead of thirsting for these things that the world has to offer come to me Jesus said it again later on I was like if anyone is thirsty come to me and drink because this is the water, the knowledge of who you are in Christ and the knowledge of who Christ is in you and the knowledge of what happens when Jesus decides to live in you and you become a temple of the Holy Spirit will change your life forever. I, I, I once got the, the opportunity to meet a, a thoroughbred horse. Now, this horse is like the grandson of one of the winners of the Kentucky Derby and all these things. So I, I never thought a horse could be prideful until I met this horse. <clears throat> and like, it, 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 needs to, it needs more humility in its life. Because I walk in and so they're telling me about this horse. It's like, John David, this horse, you know, it's, it's offspring. Each costs like over $100,000 of offspring. So I'm like, I gotta meet this horse, this money-making horse. I mean, this is awesome. So I walk into this stable and they bring him out. And for a second... I feel inferior to a horse. It's just weird because the horse walks in and looks at me. It's like, <laughs> I'm like, excuse me. Like, don't come with that attitude to me. And like, he's, the horse has never won a race. Like, I want to like, bring up his resume. It's like, listen, all you're good at is making babies. Like, that's it, $100,000 babies. But still, like you haven't won. But what did the horse do? The horse knew that in his blood there was victory. He, he literally is part of the bloodline of champions. So he doesn't have to prove himself in the field. All he has to do is show you who, where he comes from. 
And in the same way, you don't have to achieve victory to know that you are victorious in Christ Jesus. All you have to do is you have to show the victory of Christ over hell, death, and the grave. And you say, see, I'm part of that bloodline. The life of Christ lives inside of me. I don't need to show you that I'm victorious. All I have to show you is that I come from a family of victorious people more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. See, there's a story of this boxer. He, he, he goes into the ring, and he, he's very famous. He starts to box. First round, second round, third round. And he's going at it. I don't know if you've seen Rocky or not. In, like, in between sessions of prayer, you might have seen this movie. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, in between fast, you're like, okay, I'm going to check two hours. But it's the 10th round, last round, and this guy's bloodied up. And the last haymaker... And finally, he defeats his foe. Yes. So, it, like, his eyes are purple. He can't really talk. But he gets a check for, like, a million dollars. He's happy. He's like, he can't talk or anything. He goes home. And, and he, oh, his wife is waiting for him. And, and, and his wife, like, sees him all bloodied up. It's like, what happened? He's like, I won. I won. And it's like, okay. And then he grabs the check and gives it to her. Now, the boxer is a conqueror. But the wife is more than a conqueror because the wife did not have to go into the ring to get the prize. The wife, by proxy, wins the prize. See, in the same way, when the word of God says that you are more than a conqueror, is you don't need to go to hell. You don't need to go to the grave. You don't need to be crucified. All you need to do is by proximity to his presence, you get the victory. Well, I'm telling you right now, when, when, you, when you start to see this and it becomes a, a revelation and you wear and it clicks, then you will thirst no more. And I'm not saying you don't have problems. I'm not saying you won't have difficulties. In this life, we will have problems. It says John 16, Jesus said, in this life, you will have problems. But take heart because his victory is your victory. Because what he's been through will take you out of whatever you're going through. So it says he's looking for true worshipers. God wants to show himself strong towards someone that knows how to worship him. Because a true worshiper worships in spirit and in truth. And the way I, I, the way I can explain it to you, and there's a, lot, there's a lot of theological depth into this. And so th this, is, like, this is more than just what I'm about to say. But trying to put it as simply as possible, a true worshiper knows how to worship because of his position not because of his situation. That you worship God. See, it's easy to worship God in truth. It's easy to worship God when you get a bonus, right? I mean, that's easy. It's easy to worship God when you wake up and your kids are already ready. Like, it's easy to worship God when summer is over and the kids are going back to school and you don't have to see them roll their eyes at you all the time. Like It is easy to worship God when your hair is where it needs to be, your closet has what you want. Like, it's, it's easy to worship God in those moments. But what happens when your world doesn't align to what the word of God says? Can you worship God and know him to be faithful even when the situation around you says something completely different? A true worshiper does not worship God out of situation. Where it's like, see, I'm going through something, God, so you, you understand. No, because see, God's goodness doesn't change based on your situation. 
God's faithfulness doesn't change based on your situation. Come on, the, the power of God doesn't change based on what you are going through. What actually will change, heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will remain. So eventually what you're going through is going to change and eventually align to the word of God. It's why it says in the finality of everything, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And Jesus is not doubting this. God is not on the throne looking down on earth and saying, well, maybe we should have ran it somewhere, some different place. So a true worshiper, are you a true Can you worship God in spirit and in truth? Can you worship God because of who he is in your life, even when what you are going through in life doesn't really look like what you've been reading in the word? See, that's why we need faith. Jesus said, that when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith in this earth? I believe worship and faith are intertwined. And we can see that God is looking for something. And when God returns, he'll be looking for something. And it's a true worshiper. It's someone that has faith. In order to have faith, you need to know the word of God. But when you have faith out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you know you have faith because you're speaking it. And let me make a parenthesis here because it's not fake it till you make it. I hate that sometimes. Where people are, you know, when a pilot of an airplane launches into the air, he doesn't say, guys, we're, we have to start the chant now. Gravity doesn't exist. Gravity doesn't exist. Gravity doesn't, oh my gosh. Gra no, no, gravity exists. And what that means is that whatever goes up has got to go down. Like things don't just float just because. But the reality of it is, is that although the law of gravity exists, there's still other laws that if applied are more powerful than the law of gravity. The, the, the law of acceleration, the law of propulsion, the law of aerodynamics. When these are applied, even though the law of gravity exists to pull down, you see planes that weigh hundreds of town, pounds, tons in the air. In the same way the word of God says that there is the law of sin and death. And when, when I walk in faith, I'm not saying that I'm not going through a problem. All I'm saying is that there is a law, the law of God, the law of the word of God, the law of his spirit in me that is more powerful than the law of sin and death. And so I may be going through problems, but let me apply the law of the word of God upon this situation. And I go over this problem, not because I'm better, not because I'm faking it till I make it. No, because I know a God to be faithful. Because I know a God that won't stop with the situation. I know a God that has never lost a battle. Come on, we sing about it, but do we believe it today? That God will never lose a battle. He doesn't lose a battle and will never start with you. So we apply the word of God. True worshipers, worship God in spirit and in truth. Psalms 34 has a story <clears throat> about David. Now, D David is going through a problem. Uh, Abimelech is coming to get his throne. So he actually goes to the Philistines and literally acts crazy. Have you ever acted crazy even though you're not crazy? But like the situation just got you acting crazy. Like literally David, he, he goes and he acts like a maniac, like on the floor. And so he's there. And then all of a sudden he finds himself in the cave. And then he writes Psalms 34. And he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. See, to, to be a worshiper, you can't be a silent worshiper. I know, I know worship is more than what you say. Well, worship does start with what you say. 
Some people are like, well, I worship with my acts. And everything. Like, yeah, I mean, worship with everything that you are and not just, not just with your mouth. But if, I like how a friend says, if your faith can't move your mouth, it will never move your mountain. You, 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 have to, you have to let it soak inside of you to the point where out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth starts to speak. And even though you might be acting crazy and even though life might be acting crazy, you can still find yourself in a cave when you're supposed to be on the throne. But you can make the conscious decision today. I will bless the Lord at all times. In my crazy moments, I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise. So conscious decision of what he's going to say. Because I think that's where we sometimes trip up is we like to become echo chambers of news channels. We like to become echo chambers of, of what we read on social media. Like, have you heard? Have you seen? Did you see? Did you, we retweet it. We tell it to other people. We send it. We share it. By the way, if you would like to share this video right now on Facebook and YouTube, go for it. Online pastor, yes. But we make a conscious, or David did, he made a conscious decision of not only am I going to praise him, but this is what's going to be coming out of my mouth. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And then he shows you how. He says, my soul shall make its boast in the Lord. I will boast on the Lord. I will magnify the Lord. How can you make the God that is bigger than everything bigger? You really can't. Like, how can I make this, this giant screen bigger? I, I can't make it bigger, but if I get closer to it, I magnify it in my life. See, well, you, you really can't make God bigger than he is. He's the almighty God, creator of the heavens and the earth. But when you magnify God, you get closer to him. And then as you get closer to him, you start to realize, wait a minute, the God, creator of the heavens and the earth, not only lives in me, but then he says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Verse 3, let us exalt his name together. A true worshiper gets other people to worship with him as well. Because God has been, listen to this, God has been way too good to be quiet. But God has been way too good to not fill your mouth with praise to him today. So he gets excited. He's like, I'm going to boast about the Lord. I'm going to magnify the Lord. And he's like, guys, and he invites his people, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. And then he gives his testimony. In the cave. Now, a few commentaries. I was reading it last night. Uh, Boyce and Spurgeon and others. They, they kind of conclude one of, one of a few things. I like one part of their conclusion was that David found himself in a cave. But what people failed to realize is that he also found himself in the presence of God. And that was more important than where he was at naturally was where he was at spiritually. Like, yes, he acted crazy. Okay, you get your crazy moments. That happens. It's normal. But what you do in those moments and where you find yourself abiding in has everything to do with how you're going to go out of that place. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked at him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out and the Lord heard him. And save them out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. Verse 8. This is my favorite verse of all. Oh, taste and see that the Lord, there's action required. You can't, you can't taste a cake through your eyes. Right? I mean, so, some cakes, like the cakes out here, like you can almost taste them. How good do they look, right? 
but you, you got to make the conscious decision of grabbing and biting in order to taste and see that the Lord is good. It says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. You got to make, it, see, see, there's a progression. No one's denying that you're not going through problems. No one's denying that life is imperfect. No one is denying these things. But also, let's stop denying that God is living with us. Let's stop denying that we are temples of the Holy Spirit. Let's stop denying the, the, the bloodline of a champion that is in our blood. Like, let, let's stop denying these things as well. And how, what do we do? We take a step back and we look back at everything that God has done. Because the enemy will attack you with the same attack every problem. And it's like, this is the problem that God can take you out of. Always. And to me, like, this is going to sound ridiculous. But my biggest problem as of late is my baby can't sleep. And two, three nights ago, I was at the point where I'm like, God, this is my toughest battle ever. Like, I, I don't know how I'm going to survive this. Like, I'm sleeping every hour, and Carolina, it's worse. Like, she actually has to stand up and breastfeed the baby. Like, I'm just there for moral support. Like, literally, every time she wakes up, I'm like, are you okay? Okay. That's like, <laughs> guys, you, guys, you know you do this. There's nothing else we can do, though. I mean, there's nothing. Trust me. So, I'm like, and then I start laughing as I'm holding Amanda, debating whether to send her to God or not. Uh, I'm there, I'm like, how? this is stupid. This is not my toughest battle. And if it was, I mean, God is still with me. He's going to take me out. But I realized I was falling into the trap of God convinced, of the devil convincing me, like, this, this is the one God can't get you out of. This is the one, like, God is, so what do we do? I will bless the Lord at all times. So I'll make memory of what he has done. I remember two years ago, almost like in the month, it'll be two years ago, we lost the baby. And uh, I've been more emotional in other moments. But I remember uh, when we lost the baby, I called Pastor Joel. And I just told him, the doctor told me, and I'm very emotional. I don't know if you've noticed it or not. I'm super emotional. So the moment the doctor said, no more heartbeat, the baby is lost. Like, these are the next steps. Carolina takes more time to like think about it. I started bawling. First thing I do, I call Pastor Joel. Uh, he's trying to work it through, help me with it. Then I'm driving, and I shouldn't be driving because I'm, like, at my worst. I'm crying. I really can't see because there's so many tears. And, and then Carolina, she just grabs my phone and puts a song on. It's a very, very old song. And I, at the beginning, I get kind of mad because I'm like, do you, what, why? Like, this is not a church service. Like, this is a funeral right now. Like, literally, like, stop it with, why? And, and I just let the song go. And Carolina starts to cry, but she starts to pray. And at, at the beginning, I'm like, I'm not going to pray. Like, God, like, this is, like, I've preached about you being the resurrection and the life. Like, I mean, what's, what's with this? And I start, I start to make memory of the goodness of God. And I start to remember things that are promised in his word. And then one verse that stood out to me as I'm, I'm driving is like, you know, death has lost its sting. Like, what does that mean? Death has lost its sting. Like, the baby, he did, didn't die. Just moved to heaven. Like, we will see that baby again. 
Sometimes I have to, Carolina catches me because I'm sometimes I'm like, well, you just have one baby. And Carolina's like, no, no, we have two. One just happens to be in heaven. But then we start to, we start to worship. And I, I wish I could tell you that resurrection happened at that moment or something like that. It doesn't always happen how we think it will. But as we're in the car, the peace of God that passes all understanding, I cannot explain it any, any way else. Just flooded the car and dried up my tears and gave me something to look forward to. That when I hear people talking about the end times and stuff, I'm not scared. That's closer to my baby. Like, I'm not scared. That's closer to being in close proximity with God forever. So it gets me excited and we're worshiping. And then two years later, I haven't slept for five months because of answered prayer. No, no one tells you answered prayer might cry all night. Right? No one tells you you have to sleep, train, answer prayer. But as we hold baby Amanda, we just, I can't not thank God. Because the doctors were saying you might not ever, you know how they say, and that's fine, I'm not attacking them. But we aligned ourselves to the word of God again. We're like, no, 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 this is what the word of God says. And we stuck to it. And two hours, two years later, we now are battling with our answered prayer. And we're like, no, I will magnify the Lord. His praises shall continually be in my mouth. God has been way too good to be quiet. God has been way too good in your life. And answer too many prayers in your life. It's been too, too faithful in your life to not give him worship today. To not give him praise today. To not, to not put your feelings aside and just say, Father, I thank you because you have been good. And even though I am going through problems, you have set up a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And I will partake of your goodness. I will, part- I will seed the clouds today. There might be a drought coming, but I will seed the cloud today. Hallelujah. Let me finish with this, Psalms 126. Most scholars think it's the prophet Ezra that wrote this. Giving thanks for what God had done with Israel, but also prophetically uh, staging or giving us this for the church of today. It says, when the Lord brought back the captive ones of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. And then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. This is the turtle on the fence post. We're like, nations see and it's like, how is that church so blessed? I'm not saying the building. How are you, the church, so blessed? How, why are you laughing in the middle of a drought? And you're like, well, see, it's because God turned it around for me. See, God, God doesn't only work it out for your good. He knows how to turn it around. He, he knows how to grab the situation you are in and change it to where you had a moment of tears. But what you've sown in tears, you know, reap in rejoicing. Because that is, that is what God is prophesying to us. The Lord, the verse 3, the Lord has done great things for us. And we are glad. And then it asks this. 
It's like, it's, it's, it's never really finished. You know, God blesses you. God does things for you, but there's still stuff to work out. So as verse four, it says, bring back the captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. For those, of, for those that might not know, I, I had to study this, but what he refers to as the streams of the south is in the desert, deserts are known for being dry. Every now and then there are flash floods where it's just an overabundance of water in the driest place ever. And prophet Ezra right here, he's asking God, he's like, you brought us out. We thank you. But now father, if I could petition one thing, so in this desert that we find ourselves in, bring a flash flood. Well, I'm asking that today, this morning for a word of life. Father God, I mean, you've been good and we thank you for this. But if we can ask for something today, it's bringing overabundance of your presence into our life. Father God, even though we might be going through a recession or whatever, depression or economical crisis, whatever that may be. Father God, I ask for your people in overabundance where nations see us and they're like how are you so blessed in the recession how are you so happy in the depression and you can say see it's not me it's because god turned it around and he placed my feet come on he he placed my feet on solid ground come on i can't not worship him because he's been way too good i can't stop but just praise him today because of what he's done and what he's promised he can do and in the midst of it, of who he is in my life. Verse 5. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Those who sow in tears. See, the, uh, Jesus says about God, he is the Lord of the harvest. God never forgets a harvest. Even if it was sown in tears, there's still a harvest waiting of rejoicing for each and every one of us. To me, I can think back two years ago. And I cannot think of, of the hardest moment of my life up, you know, up until now was losing our baby Sam. And one thing I've learned is that our hardest praise usually ends up being our highest praise. That it is in the most difficult situations where you sow in tears that eventually when you reap in rejoicing, you know when it was sown. So I want to challenge you today, whether you're in Highland Colony and Fondren, whether you're watching online or here in Lakeland, I realize not everyone is going through the best moments of their life. It's, it's usually like that. But don't take God out of the equation. One thing I, I had written two years ago when this happened was don't let what's wrong with you keep you from worshiping what's right with God. Let me say it again. Don't let what's wrong with you keep you from worshiping what's right with God. You might be going through some things, but let me tell you, he who sows in tears shall reap in joy. And verse six, he who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing shall doubtless. I love that word doubtless because it's not used liberally in the Bible. So whenever it's used, it's like without a shadow of a doubt, there's one thing you can be sure about doubtless is that those that sowed seed and weeping shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. So why not take the time to worship God today? This is, Jesus said again, when you drink out of this water, it doesn't become a well, it becomes a fountain where you can go to it again and again 
and again and again. And it's never the same. But you can always go back to this truth. That God lives in you. That he has granted access to his throne. That you can magnify him. That you can come close to him. And worship his holy name. Psalms 103, David again says, you know, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. There's a progression. And if you can't thank him for the truth of your life right now, thank him for all the spiritual realities that will never change and will never change. So David says, he's the one that healed me. He's the one that brought me out. He's the one that helped me slay the giant. He's the one that said, anointed me and now set me as a king. He's the one that found me in the cave and placed me in the palace. This is the God I'm worshiping. So bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. S.M. Lockridge said about the God that we worship. says, the God that we worship, he, he is our guard and he guides. The God that we worship heals the sick, cleanses the lepers, forgives sinners. The God that we worship today discharges debtors, delivers the captives, defends the feeble, blesses the young, serves the unfortunate, regards the age. He rewards the diligent and he beautifies the meek. The God that we serve today, come on, his promises are sure. His life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Who you worship is so important. You are not worshiping any person. You are worshiping the creator of the heavens and the earth. That when you worship, heaven starts to join in on that worship. Because they're like, oh yeah, worthy is the lamb. They say, oh holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. Who you worship, the heavens worship for eternity. Because he's been way too good to stop. He's been way too good to be quiet. He's been way too good in your life to not give him the highest praise today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We worship you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We worship you, Father. Hallelujah. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, don't start. Don't start because if you do, the heavens will join. Well, don't start because if you do, God might show up and miracles might start to happen. But you don't, don't start because if you start to worship the God, creator of heavens and the earth, come on, heaven and earth will pass away. Come on, don't start unless you're ready. Don't start unless you're ready. Don't, we worship the Lord God Almighty who has no predecessor, has no successor. Come on, you can't impeach him, and he will not resign. Come on, it's the Lord God Almighty. We worship you, Father. We give you glory. We give you honor. We drink from the well. We drink from this well. Hallelujah. We don't worship out of emotion. We worship out of conviction. 
that we are convinced that God is good, worthy of all our praise. So we worship him today. Oh, just take, take a few moments and just give him all the glory. Give him all the honor with your own words. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We worship you, Father. Hallelujah. Lord, yeah. Hallelujah. 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 Man. Hallelujah. Well, I don't I don't want to stop just because just because it's in these moments where the supernatural happens. But we 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 sang that this is a house of miracles. Why is it a house of miracles? Because the miracle worker is here. We worship the miracle worker. It's not a place. It's a person. It's the Lord God Almighty. True worshipers worship God in spirit and in truth. Not out of situation, but out of position. I feel God is working today. God is changing a few things. For one, I wrote down those that have been showing in tears. Just know he, he can turn your mourning into dancing. He's done it for me. I, I see Amanda and listen, I love, I, I love to go back to my house and watch her. And I give God thanks. Last night I was just giving her thanks to God. Like, Father, thank you. Even though she doesn't sleep yet. Even though people need to redefine what sleeping like a baby is. Because that's a lie from the devil. But I thank you. It makes me, it makes me rejoice. Because I remember John of 2020. And I'm like, that guy had no idea what he was worshiping towards. You have no idea what God has in store for you. But you do know that it's good. It's perfect. Romans 12. So I want to challenge you. One of two things. I think worship is intertwined with faith. And faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. Sometimes it's hard to worship a God that you don't know. So one, if this this is complicated for you, uh, I want to challenge you to to get into God's word. There's a Bible app. There's just a Bible. There's a bookstore. Get into it. And two, if you feel you're at that place, then worship God consistently, constantly. Wherever you go, make this a habit in your life. Because that truly is one of our best testimonies. Is that where God is placing us, no man can place. And we don't have to debate anyone about it. We don't have to come up with philosophy for it. People just see the grace of God on your life. And... They want some of that. And you can't give it to them, but you can lead them to know Christ. And that's kind of what we want to do. Before we leave, I'm going to ask the, the prayer team to come up. And they'll be ready. If you need prayer for anything, we truly believe that it is in these moments that God inhabits. Psalm 22, verse 3, God inhabits the praises of his people. That because we've been worshiping, one thing we can guarantee is that God is in the room. And that when God is in the room, miracles can happen. The supernatural can happen. What you've been expecting for, you can start walking in. Because he's here. 
And if you need prayer for anything, you can just come up. I'm going to ask uh, the worship team to get ready. I know in every uh, campus uh, they're going to uh, start to worship again. And let's just take cinco minutos. Is that cool? Five minutes. Uh, and let's just worship him. Father God, we just thank you for this day. And we thank you for this opportunity that you just give us to enter in to your presence father you, you said that we can enter in father with full assurance of faith that as we enter in we know that good things happen in your presence thank you for the opportunity father that we have access granted into your presence and we enter in today and we give you all the glory and all the honor come on give him all the glory all the honor hallelujah hallelujah